0: Great. Thank you, Hilary. Thank you so much. Uh, if you'd uh, be able to keep that, well, the, uh, both those passages open in front of you, that would be a wonderful help to me. We're going to look at them over the next few minutes. And uh, may I pray for us as we, uh, we do so. Uh, Lord Jesus, you uh, said there that um, the sheep will listen to your voice and there will be one flock and one shepherd. And we thank you that uh, we are, if we're your followers, we're part of your flock this morning, and we pray that we would hear your voice as well. Uh, Feed us, we pray, uh, with the food of your word, uh, that we may uh, love you more and follow you more closely. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I wonder if you have somebody that you put uh, your trust in. Maybe it's uh, a spouse, a husband or or a wife. Uh, Maybe it's another family member who's always there for you, you think. Uh, maybe it's a friend uh, or a neighbour. I guess like lots of you I've been um, watching the Olympics this week and I've been struck quite how often um, when, uh, after the uh, athletes have competed and uh, John Inverdale or whoever it is grabs them for a, uh, for a quick interview uh, how quick they are to make it clear that there are other people who are supporting them and, and that they wouldn't be in the position that they're in if it wasn't uh, for those people. Uh, Whoever we are, even if we're uh, Olympic athletes who seem to be able to do uh, incredible, inhuman feats, uh, all of us need somebody or want somebody who we can rely on. Somebody's going to be there for us in the good times and the bad times. Uh, Well, I uh, said in the vestry this morning, I feel I've got famous passage pressure this morning, because I reckon if we did a survey, I, the amount of people who would say that this passage is their favourite passage would probably be at pretty high. And that's always nerve-wracking for a preacher, because you don't want to botch it up. I think there are millions of people who would put this passage as being one of their favourite chapters in the Bible. Uh, there are millions of people, and probably there are people here who, I, who can, uh, can testify to this, who've turned to it in times of trouble. Uh, for encouragement and strength. I went to visit a member of our church family who can't come to church very often just this week. Uh, She was feeling a little bit low, and we read this psalm uh, together. Uh, The sad truth is that as a vicar, most often I encourage, I, I encounter, I should say, Psalm 23 at funerals, I don't think there's been a single funeral that I've ever taken as a clergyman that I haven't read Psalm 23 or sung it in some form or another. And the sad truth is, for me, it tends to be associated with sad times and with death more than anything else. But this week, as I've been reading it and studying it and and pondering it, it seems to me that it's far more than the psalm just about death. It's actually a psalm about life, really, about how life ought to be. It's about life under the care of God, under the care of a God in whom we can always put our trust, who will never let us down, who we can always rely on. Uh, If you're a reader of the Bible, you'll know that uh, quite often the Bible uses picture language to help us understand difficult concepts, and particularly to help us understand God. Uh, And in Psalm 23, there's a really, really good example of this. You've got two kind of pictures put side by side, picture of God, our good shepherd, and a picture of God, our friend. And I want to just look at those pictures, each in turn, and explore what they tell us about uh, God, and how they uh, show us the depth of his love and his care for us. So let's look at the first picture, shall we, that the psalmist uh, puts out for us, which is God, uh, the watching shepherd, God, the watching uh, shepherd. Uh, King David, who wrote the psalm, was a shepherd in the early parts of his life, so I think it's probably no surprise that he found it very, very easy to think of God as being a bit like a shepherd. Uh, he wouldn't be alone on that, because uh, shepherds were a very big part of the, the landscape of, um, of, of the, the Bible lands, of Palestine, of, the, uh, of Israel, the Holy Land, uh, and they still are to a large degree. If you've ever been to, uh, to the Holy Land, you'll know that it's, it's, it's pretty rocky and pretty stony. It's also quite hilly as well. Uh, there's not an awful lot of really flat ground where you can uh, do sort of uh, arable farming like we have here in, uh, in Norfolk. And because of that, it means that they tend to turn to, to animals, to farm animals, and particularly sheep, because sheep can put up with the, uh, the, the territory. It makes much more uh, sense uh, for farmers. Uh, I think most of us have pretty cosy ideas about shepherds, don't we? We tend to think of nativity plays and, you know, tea towels on the head and that sort of thing, or, or country file or something like that. It's all quite kind of cosy, isn't it, and, and, and nice. Maybe we watch Spring Watch with a lambing and all that kind of thing. But actually, for the most part, a shepherd's life then, as is now, would actually be very, very, very difficult. A really tough life. Actually, just yesterday, in the newspaper, there was an interview uh, with a shepherd uh, funny enough, and talking about his, his life. Fact, I nearly brought it, I cut it, nearly cut it out to bring it to read it to you, because it was, it was really quite, quite stirring. Uh, shepherds' lives were and are incredibly difficult. Uh, they, they're never off duty. Um, most of us, are, if we, we're still working, we're used to sort of having a sense that we can go home at the end of the day, clock off, and, and that's it, the work's done. We don't have to think about it until the next day. Uh, that's not the way it works for shepherds. Uh, they're always having to watch over the flock entrusted to them, day and night, whatever the weather, whatever the uh, season of the year, uh, wherever the sheep manage to get themselves in, wherever they manage to roam, the shepherd goes there too, and he has to look after them. Uh, You can imagine if it's a rocky, hilly landscape, quite often the sheep would wander off and they would get stuck somewhere, stuck somewhere pretty inaccessible, uh, somewhere difficult. Uh, Guess what? It would be the shepherd's task to go after them and to go and get them out. Uh, there would be predators like wolves looking for, a, for an easy meal to pick off one of the sheep, uh, take them home uh, for their supper. There would be robbers looking to steal the sheep for their wool or, uh, or for, their, for their meat. And again, it would be the shepherd's task to fight them off and to, uh, to protect uh, the, uh, the sheep that were entrusted to him. Uh, it was a life of constant watching, uh, constant waiting, and really constant courage as well. I think, and these are the qualities that King David sees reflected in God, our heavenly Father. Uh, to start with, he says, doesn't he? In uh, verse uh, verse one, he says, "The Lord is my shepherd; I shall not be in want. Uh, he makes me lie down in green pastures; he leads me beside quiet waters." He celebrates that God provides for us. Just like a shepherd is always on the lookout for a good spot of land for his sheep to, uh, to, to, to go and graze, uh, he'd lead the flock to where they could find that. Uh, so the psalmist says that God provides for our needs. He finds green pastures, uh, quiet waters, places where we can be at peace and at rest. He says that he restores my soul. That is, he refreshes us. He revives us when our hearts are burdened and exhausted and weary. He goes on, he says, he guides me in paths of righteousness. Uh, That is, he guides us in the way that we were made to go, the ways of holiness and goodness, the paths that we were created to walk in, the paths that he knows are the best way for us. And he says that all he does this is for his name's sake, for his glory and for his renown. What a picture it is, isn't it? God, our watching shepherd, always looking out for us, always uh, providing for us, uh, always doing what is best for us. And yet I think then David takes it a step further, because he says that not only does God always provide for us, but he says he also protects us as well. Uh, if you've been uh, walking in the Lake District or the Highlands of Scotland, and I know some of you have been up to Keswick in the last couple of weeks and probably have seen this, uh, you'll know the ways in which sheep tend to wander off. They're a bit like toddlers in some ways, aren't they? They sort of go off and do their own thing, and they can get themselves into some rather difficult uh, situations. And sometimes you can go on a walk, can't you, you're your a you know, your fell, and you can see a sort of lonely sheep on a sort of rocky outcrop bleating, uh, because it's got itself into a difficult position, and yet still, it was the job of the shepherd to go after the sheep who'd got lost and to protect them, to keep his eye on them, uh, to use his rod and his staff, his kind of shepherd's crook, to hook them back and, uh, and, uh, and drag them back uh, to safety, to rescue those in difficulties. And again, that's what David says, this is a picture of God at work in our lives. He says that wherever we manage to, to wander, whether we find ourselves, uh, even if we find ourselves walking in the darkest valley of all, the shadow of death. As life shadows seem to be closing in on us, he says that even there, God is there, watching over us, protecting us from harm. He says, doesn't he, verse 4, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me your rod and your staff they comfort me god is there even in the darkest times of life he's there he's watching over us uh, he's protecting us from all harm what a wonderful picture for us to enjoy it is a great picture isn't it and yet the good thing is that even better that if we turn to the new testament we see that it does get even better for us and that's where our second reading comes into play because as we heard in that second reading for us, Jesus takes this picture of God as the good shepherd of the flock and he applies it to himself. Uh, in passing, I think it's, a, it, it's, it's one, uh, another claim indirectly to Jesus being divine. He's, he's saying here he's effectively equating himself uh, with God and he could do that because that was the, the truth, of course. Uh, he takes that picture of God as the good shepherd and he applies it. Uh, to himself so for example uh, verse 12 he says i uh, uh, 'I'm the good shepherd the hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep so when he sees the wolf coming he abandons the sheep and runs away uh, then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it the man runs away because he's the hired hand and he cares nothing for the sheep I am the good shepherd I know my sheep and my sheep know me Uh, he's saying isn't he that uh, just like God never leaves us even the darkest valley so he will never leave us as well at the hired hand the one who's just paid he's doing it for the money to come and look after the sheep he disappears when the going gets tough but that's not true of the Lord Jesus he never leaves us his sheep he says doesn't he verse 14 I know my sheep and my sheep know me Uh, he knows us Uh, by name he knows us who we are he knows everything about us Uh, he loves us and he cares for us he says that the sheep know his voice they hear him and they listen to him Uh, elsewhere in the bible he says uh, that he gives us rest he promises rest for all those who come to him weary and downcast just as David said uh, in our psalm uh, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. The Lord Jesus says, come to me, all who are burned and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And above all, he gives us this wonderful uh, promise, doesn't he? Uh, he says at the end of verse 15, I lay down my life for the sheep. Above all, above everything else, he protects for us, yes, but he provides for us by laying down his life for us on the cross. Uh, Why? He tells us, doesn't he? So that uh, there should be one flock and one shepherd. So bring us back to God, our heavenly Father, uh, to be part of the flock. He is the good shepherd who watches over us. Well, apparently there's a story of a uh, very stressed businessman who uh, had uh, been stressed for a very long time. He'd uh, been to his doctor on numerous occasions and tried all kinds of things, and nothing seemed to work. And in desperation, he came to see his vicar. And uh, he came to explain to his vicar that uh, he was completely stressed out and uh, didn't know what to do and uh, where to go. And the vicar apparently uh, stopped. He listened to him. He poured out his troubles. Uh, At the end of uh, his sort of spiel, he said, Why don't you do this? Read Psalm 23 three times a day, every day, for a whole week, and see what it does for you. And the businessman man apparently sort of chunted and thought, Is that all "We've got to offer a bit rubbish." Oh well, never mind. I'll go away. I'm got anything else. I'll so go away and do it anyway. He went off and he did it. And apparently the following Sunday, the vicar came up to him and asked him uh, how things were going. And uh, he was a completely different person. He was beaming from ear to ear, and he just said this. He said, "I've met the shepherd." and I've heard his voice. I've met the shepherd, and I've heard his voice. I don't know if it's true or not, but even so, I think the sentiment is true. And I wonder if you could say the same as that stressed businessman. I wonder if you this morning have heard the voice of the good shepherd at calling you by name. I wonder whether you know that peace of which the psalmist speaks. And it's a peace which is the right of all the Lord's sheep, of all his lambs. Uh, When we know the good shepherd who loves us, uh, who gave his life for us on the cross to bring us back to God, to make us part of the one flock, the good shepherd who promises to watch over us and look after us for all of our days, then there is a peace that the world can't explain, the world can't offer, but the world cannot take away either. It's the peace that all of us uh, long for deep in our hearts. That's the first picture that the psalmist gives for us, the picture of God our watching uh, Good Shepherd. Let's look at the second picture, shall we, that we see in this psalm. And the second picture is rather different, because the second picture is of God, our welcoming friend. God, our welcoming friend. It's a wonderful picture, isn't it? God, uh, the Good Shepherd, and that should be a great comfort for us. But I think, if anything, the second picture, which is one we often forget when we read Psalm 23, in some ways I think is even more precious. Because the psalmist explains to us that God is not only our shepherd, but he is also our friend. Uh, When my wife and I arrived in Norwich, uh, we knew that we were among friends because people invited us over for a meal. They were, uh, we had lots of invitations uh, to come and, and uh, have meals with people and to uh, get to know uh, all of you in the church family. And it was great. We knew that we were among those who cared for us and were friends. Uh, and that's true wherever you go, isn't it, in life? If, 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 if people have you over for a meal, that's a sign of friendship and of relationship. It doesn't matter uh, where you are, whatever corner of the world you are. Uh, eating together is a sign of friendship. And that is what David Sees with God here. Uh, Verse 5, he says, God, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. It's an amazing picture, isn't it? It says God invites us to share in his table. He's prepared a a, a table for us, a meal, uh, full of good things for us to enjoy. It's full even to overflowing. He says, my cup overflows. It's more than we could ever possibly want. Just the other week, I saw on Facebook, uh, something had gone viral. Somebody had gone to a um, a restaurant, I can't remember whereabouts it was, and uh, they'd uh, taken a picture of the menu, and there was a sign plastered on the menu, only chicken available. (laughs) They had this enormous menu, but actually they'd run out of everything, apart from uh, the chicken dishes. And it's got me thinking that this week, God is not like that. That's not how God is. We're not going to get there and suddenly discover that he's run out and we've got to put up with chicken or prawns or whatever uh, we might happen to have left in the larder. That's not how God is. Uh, that's never our experience with God. His blessings and his joy never run out. They're always there for us to enjoy. And he said, the psalmist says that, my cup overflows. He even tells us that he anoints, uh, he says, he anoints my head with oil. That was a sign in Bible times of a really, really slap-up meal. If you anointed somebody's head with oil, that really was a a banquet uh, to, to, to be there. And amazingly, he says that even though he's under pressure, in the presence of his enemies, whether that's people, whether that's circumstances, he says still he can enjoy God's generous, lavish friendship and his hospitality and all the blessings that go with it. I wonder if you can um, remember the last time you had a, a good meal, a great meal or party with people who you enjoy. We had a, a staff at barbecue a few months ago as a staff team here at Trinity, and it was a great evening, and you, and you know it's been a great evening, when you suddenly look at the clock and you realise it's quarter past eleven, and uh, everyone ought to be going home. It was a wonderful time, but inevitably, however good those meals happen to be, there's always a time when food's been finished, coffee's been drunk, and it is time to get uh, your coats get your bags, and leave. And we might wonder, I suppose, if God's hospitality is a bit like that. It's great to enjoy it. It's wonderful uh, that we can uh, take advantage of it, but it's just for a moment, and we just enjoy the moment, and then it's gone. But wonderfully, the psalmist tells us here that actually, uniquely, I think, this meal will never come to an end. He says at the end, doesn't he, verse 6, Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. King David knows that he will always be the guest of God at his table. There will never come a time when God will say, well, that's enough, you've had your fill, clear off, off, off you go, uh, and don't come back until, uh, until some, some other time. That's not the way it is with God. He welcomes us, and he welcomes us forever. Well, the question we should be asking, I think, is what is this meal that David is talking about? How can we experience this? How can we enjoy this? What is he actually talking about here? Well, I think if we're going to answer that question, we have to notice how the Bible talks about meals. And the Bible talks about meals quite a lot. And meals in the Bible are are, are very often a sign of relationship or friendship uh, with God. So think about it. Right at the very start of the Bible story, uh, when you have uh, the, uh, the, God's people come out of Egypt, God uh, saved them from slavery in Egypt. He told them to remember what he'd done for them by means of a meal. He told them to uh, remember the Passover festival that they, uh, that they would keep. It was all about remembering uh, God's friendship and what God had done for them. Uh, Later on, as we sort of read on through the Bible, when God sort of explains to his people how they're to worship him on a regular basis, uh, one of the ways in which they're to do so is to do what's known as a fellowship offering. They would bring uh, an animal, they would sacrifice it, uh, but instead of leaving it or burning it, they would share it among themselves. And it was a kind of picture, we think, of of, of, of sort of uh, fellowship that we have with each other, but critically fellowship that we have with God, friendship Uh, later on in the new testament you'll remember the lord jesus said to his followers just before he died that they are to remember his death in the lord's supper and we do that don't we as we gather we remember in bread and wine uh, what the lord jesus has done for us uh, how he has made us his friends and friends uh, with god's our heavenly father it's a picture of relationship and as we keep reading through the Bible, we, we, we see this idea of, of, of meals. And it all comes together in one great big final meal, which is right at the very end of the Bible, in chapter 19 of the book of Revelation, where St. John explains for us that right at the end of time, we, if we're friends of Jesus, are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. The great meal where, uh, which will be held at the end of time, when believers from every age and every corner of the world will gather together with Jesus to enjoy his presence as a reward, but also as the beloved bride of Christ, using another kind of picture there. And this is the picture, this is the meal that the psalmist is looking forward to. He's looking forward, he's looking forward way into the distance to that great meal, that great gathering, when all believers will be uh, with the Lord Jesus and his friends Will be gathered together, sitting with the Lord at his table, will be his guest and his house for all the rest of their days. He says God is not just a watching shepherd, as wonderful as that is, but he is a welcoming friend who he knows has prepared a place for him and for all believers uh, in heaven. Uh, We seem to go through uh, a lot of wedding invitations. It's probably that stage of life we're at. We seem to get wedding invitations left, right and centre. And you'll know if you've sort of uh, had a wedding invitation that uh, you need to RSVP on it. Uh, I haven't always done this. Those of you who know me well will know I'm a little bit scatty and I tend to forget these sort of things. Uh, And I'm not always very good at responding to things. Fortunately, my my wife Claire is very good at these things and uh, she's very able to uh, RSVP. And I've often wondered what would happen if I didn't RSVP or if she didn't do it on my behalf. Probably I would sort of get there and uh, you know, swan up wanting a, uh, a table and sit down with, uh, and enjoy the meal after the wedding, and I'd be told there's nowhere for me, I'd have to clear off and go and get something else, I think. And I think it's a bit like that, in a sense. We can think about that with, with God. Because if, we, uh, if this picture is true, if this is where uh, creation is going, if this is what we've got to look forward to then surely we want to make sure that we've RSVP'd and that we are on the guest list. We want to make sure that we're there with King David, with all the rest of believers, uh, enjoying that hospitality. And I think this is where the two pictures in our psalm come together. Uh, By rights, the Bible explains for us that, yes, we are like sheep who have gone astray. We've wandered off, and all of us have gone to places where we shouldn't do. We've wandered away from the path of righteousness that the Lord has set for us. By rights, we shouldn't be part of the flock. None of us have a right to it. But because the Lord Jesus is our good shepherd, because he came, he laid down his life for us on the cross, he says that all who receive him can be put right with God and welcomed back into his flock and back into his fold and look forward to being with him in his new creation. And we can know his goodness and his mercy for all the days of our life because our Lord Jesus gave his life for us as our good shepherd to win us a place at his table in heaven. And it's through, friends, responding to that offer, through RSVPing, if we want to put it like that, that we can be sure that we will be there and we will have a place at uh, his table uh, with the psalmist. One of the most famous verses in the Bible puts it a bit like this. It's a verse that's spoken to many Christians through the ages. It's Lord Jesus speaking to a group of Christians who've grown cold and who've wandered away from him. And he says these wonderful words, and I think they're true for us this morning. He says, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. See that, that promise there, Jesus saying of friendship, of a meal together. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him, and he with me. Here is the Good Shepherd uh, speaking to us, speaking to his sheep, calling out to us, the sheep who hear his voice, calling them to return to him and to enjoy friendship with him that will never, ever end. As we draw to a close, I want to ask you if you have responded to the invitation that the psalmist sets out for us here. Because I think it is an invitation. It's an invitation to all of us, whoever we are, to come and join in friendship with God. Are you sure that you are on the guest list? Are you sure that at the end of time you'll be allowed in and there'll be a table, there'll be a place set and laid for you? Do you know the welcome of a loving Heavenly Father who longs to welcome you in and to uh, to sit with you and to lavish his goodness and his mercy on you for all of your days? If you're not sure, uh, do come and speak to one of us after the service. We'd love to talk about that uh, more with you. It may be that you want to explore that at a later date or in more detail, and uh, in, a, in a few weeks we're going to be running what's known as Christianity Explored. It's just a, a course, it's a short course, which looks at who Jesus is and what it means to be his friend, and what it means to be his follower. And you're very, very welcome. If you'd like to be a part of that, just speak to me and we'll, uh, we'll be able to, uh, to, uh, to, to sort that out for you. It may be that you're sitting here this morning and you know that you have RSVP'd. You know that you're on the guest list, and that's a wonderful thing. But I want to ask you, are you looking forward to all that David is looking forward to? It seems to me that, that surely when we understand these verses, really we should be a bit like children at Christmas time, shouldn't we? Uh, children in the, in the run ups of Christmas time are, are, are always looking forward to what's going to happen, whether it's the presents or the food or just uh, being together with uh, Granny and Grandpa and everyone else as we gather together. And I think that should be our sense here, shouldn't it? If we understand what the Lord Jesus has done for us and the welcome that we're offered, then we should be looking forward to that as well, shouldn't we? sitting down with our Lord, in his presence, forever. Uh, no matter what the circumstances might be outside, we know that we'll be with him, and we'll be enjoying his company. There's nothing on earth that could be better than that. And yet, I guess if we're honest, I certainly count myself among, um, among this, it's very easy with the pressures and the busyness of life to forget that, to forget where it's all going, and to forget what God has in store for us. When we're the friends of God, we can look forward to a wonderful welcome, and a wonderful future uh, with him. Who can we put our trust in? Who can we really rely on, whether it's in life or in death? Here's our answer, isn't it? David shows us God. In our lives, he's our watching tender shepherd who cares for us at every step. In death, he's our welcoming friend. He welcomes us in and cares for us and has prepared a place for us. Let's pray, shall we? Lord Jesus, we do thank you for these wonderful pictures. Uh, Thank you that they have been an encouragement to saints down the ages, and we thank you that they've been encouragement to us this morning as we've looked at them. And We pray, particularly for people uh, who uh, are going through tough times in our church family, that they would know the uh, watchful care of you as our good shepherd. Thank you that you laid down your life for us on the cross, that we might be part of your flock. And we thank you wonderfully that you have gone ahead of us to prepare a place for us at the table of your heavenly Father. And we pray that all of us might one day be found there, we might be on the guest list, uh, rejoicing with you uh, for all eternity. Uh, Please help us to respond to you in the way that is appropriate uh, this morning. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.